Chapter Five of Historical Romance of the American Negro by Charles Fowler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Negro's Complaint, John Brown's Raid, The Secession of the Southern States, Battle of Milliken's Bend, Battle at Fort Hudson the effect of the emancipation proclamation on this nation and the entire christian world as my indulgent readers would perhaps like to know the lines of the negro's complaint which were sung so beautifully by the campaign glee club that night at the great meeting at buffalo i will here insert them they were written by the hon william cowper of england and directed against british slavery in the west indies and the slave trade generally they apply with such force and truth to that self-same blood-red crime as carried on by the united states that they are worthy of being committed to memory by every true lover of poetry in the english language throughout the world the negro's complaint forced from home and all its pleasures africa's coast i left forlorn to increase a stranger's treasures o'er the raging billows borne men from england bought and sold me paid my price in paltry gold but though theirs they have enrolled me mines are never to be sold still in thought as free as ever what are england's rights i ask me from delights to sever me to torture me to task fleecy locks and dark complexion cannot forfeit nature's claim skins may differ but affection dwells in white and black the same why did all creating nature make the plant for which we toil sighs must fan it tears must water sweat of ours must dress the soil hark ye masters iron-hearted lolling at your jovial boards think how many backs have smarted for the sweets your cane affords hark he answers wild tornadoes strewing yonder seas with wrecks wasting towns plantations meadows are the voice with which he speaks he foreseeing what vexations afric's sons should undergo fix their tyrants habitations where his whirlwinds answer no by our blood in afric wasted ere our necks receive the chain by the miseries we have tasted crossing in your barks the main by our sufferings since ye brought us to the man-degrading mart all sustained by patience taught us only by a broken heart count our nation brutes no longer till some reason ye shall find worthier of regard and stronger than the colour of the kind slaves of gold whose sordid dealings tarnish all your boasted powers prove that ye have human feelings ere ye proudly question ours time passed on and tom and i and mr and mrs sutherland still continued to occupy the same house the lord blessed the entire household and none of us had ever cause to regret the steps we had taken and carried out with such speed 
we enlisted heart and soul in the grand anti-slavery movement and blew the bellows with all our might to help on the good cause of liberty and perfect freedom the border ruffians of kansas had been beaten back into the south which was the first open fight between the two high contending parties that put the angry south in no good humor like an ungovernable high-strung virago her temper was up and she threatened secession and dreamed of extending a new slave empire around the gulf of mexico the abolitionists of the north were unyielding and the two sections were drifting into war in the midst of so much combustion and heated temper it would have been remarkable indeed if there had been no flame that burst out here or there in all impending struggles and revolutions there is always some one who voices the pent-up feelings of one party or the other and sometimes of both on the impulse of the moment as it were by an act of inspiration somebody steps out of the ranks and becomes the leader on his side the man who led the way on the part of the anti-slavery party was the famous john brown who figured so largely in kansas and in eighteen fifty nine seized upon the united states arsenal at harper's ferry in virginia while he was leading on a handful of white and colored men for the purpose of effecting a general rising of the slaves throughout the south but the virginians came pouring down upon him and his little band some were killed and wounded others were missing and john brown himself and a few of his followers were hung still john brown was in the right he was simply an outgrowth of the times he regarded the slaves as prisoners whom it was the duty of any man to set at liberty they or their forefathers at least had been taken captive in africa and it that is american slavery was the crying scandal of the entire christian world john brown was one of the abolitionists of the north and they were responsible for his actions but the south was alarmed all over its dark domain from mason and dixon's line to the rio grande the news of john brown's raid flew like wildfire and the violent temper of the south grew to a white heat and all the world both at home and abroad remarked if one single spark like this can raise such a conflagration what shall we have when the anti-slavery party shall set their foot into the whole business on a grand scale if one man at harper's ferry can effect such a disturbance what will ensue when the great overshadowing north will arise in her might and call for a settlement of the whole question in favor of the oppressed african the war indeed was now nearer than before the south would listen to no compromise nor reason of any kind the haughty southern lords would brook no interference the northern intruders who touched her peculiar institution touched the apple of her eye and now for war the war came at last and south carolina was the state that struck the first blow then one state seceded after another and they set up the southern confederacy with slavery as its cornerstone then the wildest and most tremendous excitement spread over all the great north and the interest reached even the ends of the earth for the time being so great was the national delirium that the great masses of the population seemed to have completely forgotten the glorious causes of abolitionism the grand doings of the underground railroad and even the eternal decree of the most high god that one man should not own property in another 
but all the same the deep and thoughtful minds of all thoroughgoing christians all over the world could see that this war should not close till every slave was set free it was pharaoh and the captive israelites over again let my people go that they may serve me that which threw the great north into such a state of excitement and alarm was not the slave question at all the people were concerned over the breaking up of this great united republic because the establishment of the southern confederacy cut the nation in two and took away from us the middle and lower mississippi if the hair is the glory of a woman as paul says the mississippi river is the glory of the united states uncle sam therefore even yet did all he could to induce the seceded states to come home again and assured them in every possible way that not a finger should be laid upon their slaves but that they should keep them all but the haughty south had made up her mind to set up housekeeping for herself and she thought she could do so even if the worst came to the worst she had been getting ready for secession for fifty years and now the crisis had come there did not appear to be the slightest idea on either side that more than four years would elapse before the dreadful business would be settled a call was made by president lincoln for seventy-five thousand men to serve for three months but a far greater number offered themselves there were thousands if not millions of people who believed that the small affair would be all over in a very little while and nothing was talked of but marching to richmond and winding things up then the rebellious leaders would return to their duties slavery would go on as before and the mississippi river would once more flow through our glorious republic one and undivided from the headwaters of the same to the gulf of mexico it never seemed to enter the minds of the great masses of the people then that the south was as terribly in earnest as she certainly was nor how well trained she was and ready for the fray the skill of her leaders the intrepidity of her sons the fighting upon her own soil were lost sight of to a very great extent in the wild delirium that seized on the great northern part over the breaking up of the union it did not seem to strike the national mind at the time that this was a war sent by god for the extirpation of slavery and as an answer to the prayers of the oppressed millions in the south for freedom and for the treatment of human beings it did not then occur to the minds of the north that a day would come after nearly two years in decisive fighting when military necessity would compel the federal government to free the slave by act of congress and call upon him to come to the help of the lord against the mighty and shakespeare says there is a divinity that shapes our ends rough hew them as we will and so it was even now i shall never forget that morning at buffalo it was in the month of june eighteen sixty three when the letter-carrier brought me the first war letter from my gallant tom the date was not given but it came from a place called millikan's bend on the lower mississippi river and a battle had been fought at that place since called by the historians the battle of millikan's bend but i will here insert tom's letter in its entirety as there are some other things in it besides war and fighting millikan's band june eighteen sixty three my dear beulah no doubt but you have already received the letters i sent you from new orleans after that i myself and the rest of the buffalonians had landed in the crescent city i send lots of warm love to the entire family and be sure to keep our two daughters ella and fanny regularly at school my best love to the church in a body tell them to pray for us 
i have great pleasure in informing you that we have here completely settled the question whether colored men will not fight in america as well as their ancestors did in africa on the night of the sixth of june about three thousand texans came to our fortifications and lay around our five hundred colored soldiers besides a hundred white ones those three thousand rebels lay prowling around our men like so many cats only waiting for the dawn of the seventh of june to gobble us up like so many poor helpless mice about three o'clock they came on with an awful rush shouting no quarter for niggers and their officers they got into our works and the way that men fell on both sides was dreadful it was really awful the way my poor comrades were shot down or killed with the bayonet though at the same time we mowed them down like grass before the scythe those strong arms of ours that had made the south the rich land that it lately was now laid its defenders even with the ground there was hardly a single officer either black or white among us who was not either killed or wounded how i escaped myself without a scratch is more than i can tell where there were so very few who came out of the battle as they went in to god be all the praise the gunboats choctaw and lexington assisted us very much for they kept throwing shells into the enemy and made them fly in all directions and even up into the air the white men on our side one hundred of them also fought like lions one division of the rebels hesitated about coming out of a redoubt that had got into their possession they were not willing but our brave black soldiers went in with a rush and assisted them in making up their minds by taking the bayonet to them and thrashing them with the butt ends of their guns precisely like thrashing wheat they reminded me of a lot of guilty cats when the dogs are on them having suffered the loss of hundreds of men and been completely vanquished in the bargain the rebels were forced to retreat and this they did with as good a grace as they were able no doubt but the telegraph has already carried the news all over the union how our six hundred intrepid soldiers beat three thousand rebels this will settle once for all the insulting question will the black man fight it will also secure for us more civil treatment from white soldiers both north and south and remind them that the great creator himself and all foreign nations make no difference whatsoever on account of the color of the skin i would like to know what old massa thinks of things now i send my best love to all those who may inquire for me and please write soon to your most affectionate husband thomas lincoln tuesday night nine o'clock war surely is a terrible thing at its best estate nations have often waged war for mere conquest and ambition which was the greatest crime that ever could have been committed but here was a war for freedom the freedom of millions of slaves it was for this freedom that we had prayed for the assistance of the most high god and troubled the country labored and toiled in all possible ways it was for this freedom that all the chivalrous christianity of the nation had put forth all its efforts and now at times many people began to doubt whether all these efforts had not been put forth in vain because for the first two years of the war our arms really made such small progress compared with what we had expected and yet for the very life of me 
i am to this very day unable to see how we could have done much more than we did for though the northern troops were as brave as men could be we had a foe to contend with who was quite as brave as ourselves a foe manned by officers as good as our own and fighting upon their own soil where they knew every foot of the ground thus the war dragged slowly along and the close of the second year found us with very little progress made we were not in despair but the south yet retained all her strength and was proud and defiant they were also determined to fight on and did fight on with a valor worthy of a better cause but how could we expect more success than we had under the circumstances so great was the prejudice against color that white men were even unwilling to fight side by side with our own people and then lincoln and his cabinet were all afraid of affronting the tender and delicate susceptibilities of the south by putting even their little finger on the heinous institution called domestic slavery verily they were carrying their squeamishness to a most tremendous length when lives had to be wasted in thousands because white men were too proud even to fight side by side with colored men and because we were so very timid about offending our separate brethren that the northern officers even sent back the refugees from our armies sent them back into slavery and they even allowed their lifelong oppressors to come into the camps look around for their slaves identify and claim their property and carry them home again before our very eyes was it any wonder then that we had so little success in this war which god himself had sent chiefly that the slaves should be freed but the spectacle of thousands and tens of thousands of men being mowed down like grass before the southern scythes gradually changed all that the south indeed had a comfortable time of it sending all their sons to the war whilst the black population were taking care of their families working their fields and even throwing up entrenchments and making themselves useful in a thousand ways by command of their owners and against the forces of the north not that the slaves wished to work in these ways for the south but because our very armies were helping their masters to keep them in their present position even by returning them to bondage whenever they tried to gain their freedom the southern lords knew all about our tender feelings for their own property falsely so-called and they took advantage of it we had nobody but ourselves to blame for this state of things our men were mown down in thousands because we had such tender regard for the feelings of the rebels and there was not the slightest sign that things would ever get any better we whipped the south to-day and they whipped us to-morrow in the meantime the strong able-bodied african tilled the fields of the south when he might have been fighting for freedom and the union but to return to the year eighteen sixty three some changes had been made in the rapidly shifting scenes of the war tom had been removed from milliken's bend and gone to port hudson where a most terrible assault had been made on the rebel defences about the twenty third of may but i will here let tom speak for himself because he wrote to me often and my greatest pleasure was to sit down and send him all our domestic news port hudson on the mississippi july eighteen sixty three my dear beulah i arrived at this place a few days ago and have been out to see signs and marks of the recent siege everything seems to interest me and war is indeed a terrible game i have heard great and full accounts of the awful fighting down in this place much of which i must reserve for your patient ears when i come if god my life shall spare 
you could not find a white man in all the mississippi valley to-day who will tell you that colored men won't fight i don't know where such an idea ever arose because it was the strong arm and perseverance of the slave in raising crops all over dixie that created most of the wealth we found in the south and i looked upon it as a willful and malicious falsehood in white soldiers north and south alike affirming over and over again that colored men would not fight general grant and every high officer in the union army have given us most unstinted praise and have affirmed that we fight nobly the accounts of the terrible fighting done here almost surpass human belief about the twenty third of may the northern armies invested this place and made a most tremendous effort to carry it by storm the rebels had a naturally strong position and all the appliances of war at their command they had batteries and massed batteries mortars and in short almost everything known for destruction and modern warfare they had even felled trees in our path and their very cannon-balls mowed down trees three feet thick the noise of their guns made more din and uproar than the loudest thunderstorm against those brave and terrible rebels white soldiers from the north and colored soldiers from louisiana advanced again and again but all of them failed and they were mown down like grass before the scythe o oh, terrible sanguinary war it was horrible the balls and other missiles flew through the air thicker than hailstones once more we terribly underrated the prowess of the south all of us were shipped alike though we fought like gods oh my dear beulah this is the price the american nation is now paying for the crime of slavery the south carried out the villainy and the north winked at the whole devilish business thus in fact helping the barbels to keep on our claims shall a guilty nation indeed escape for deeds like these at all events we proved one thing during that terrible assault in may and the subsequent siege of port hudson and that was that colored men are as much men as white men red brown yellow or any other race that can be named these things were all well known before by every man woman and child but then none are so blind as those who don't want to see the cry now is yes yes colored men will fight well it is some comfort to know all this for now we can get a rest i send a deal of love to yourself the children to miss mr and mrs sutherland to the entire church on vine street and to all others i get all your letters i am my dear beulah your most loving thomas lincoln from the accounts contained in the two foregoing letters that i received from my dear husband my kind readers will see that it was a public revelation made to the whole nation that the colored race not only made first-rate soldiers but that they were sorely needed by uncle sam in the day of his distress lincoln's proclamation on the first of january eighteen sixty three completely broke down the dam from one end of the country to the other and throughout the whole land now the patriotic governors and many others bestirred themselves in raising colored regiments getting them drilled and pushed to the front with rapidity so that the tide of war everywhere began to turn in favor of the northern arms and things began to look as if the very god of liberty himself was smiling upon the nation up to the end of eighteen sixty two the north had been fighting for nothing more than the restoration of the union and surely this was a noble thing to fight for and especially for the possession of the glorious mississippi flowing all the way from its remotest springs at its farthest away branches in montana some four thousand four hundred miles from the ocean it was indeed something to keep the great river and all the states one and undivided but what about slavery was it not if possible a ten times greater sin to carry on slavery than for the southern states to secede 
and yet there were thousands and tens of thousands of soldiers officers and citizens all over the land who made the most strenuous objections to striking one blow for freedom the very cause for which the war had been sent who need wonder indeed that our arms had such small success for almost two years after the rebels seceded the only thing that surprises me is that we had as much success as we did but we were taught a lesson and we learned it well at last it was not long before the fame of the colored soldiers of america was wafted over the whole world and was everywhere received by all lovers of freedom with most hearty applause all excepting those who believed in keeping other people down heard the news with the greatest of pleasure many of the aristocrats of england france and elsewhere who had made investments in confederate bonds and sympathized with the south from the beginning had no joy when they learned how uncle sam had turned a new element of strength into the field but the common people everywhere all the world over who had read uncle tom's cabin in all the principal languages of the earth and opposed the recognition of the southern confederacy from the first on account of slavery rejoiced to hear that the great north had at last turned over a new leaf and brought the heroic sons of africa into the field it was a military necessity of course the nation was forced to do it but all the same it was a matter of justice and the right thing to do now the entire christian world took ten times more interest in the war than before they had been praying and often working in the interest of the american slave and now they were delighted to hear of the self-same slave marching bravely to the field and assisting white men in knocking the fetters off the whole race now indeed the scales began to turn in favor of the north along the whole line before the first of january eighteen sixty three it was as if there were eight pounds in the northern scale and eight pounds in the southern scale but now we throw in two hundred thousand colored men or more into the northern scale when the southern end of the beam flies up as the lighter weight and it becomes clear to the obtusest mind that the south is doomed and domestic slavery with it also End of chapter five